Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Who, messy distance professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, where today we're doing Starcade 1987 Part 1, and then I've got Part 2 with my conversation with Les Thatcher coming up later in the show. So we are sitting here. It's November 26, 1987. I got Doc and Hardbody Harper on the line. Hey. Harper, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I just watched me some Starcade. From the are you are you uh, feeling better since Mardi Gras over with? Fuck, bro. Yeah, mine won't officially be over till fucking tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. It fucking sucks bad. Because you've Fuck been working your shit. ass off, right? Yes. Uh, I hear that, man. It's still happening. Great, great. You see any? You see any titties? Oh, no. Here we go. Uh. Uh-uh. I Doc, saw a the... lot of fucking puke all over the goddamn street. Fuck. That's nice. Doc, Just you're on the moon. Doc, you're on the moon. What's going on this week, man? Still on the moon. You know, I was on the moon for our Raw watch along the other night where Malonis and I had to put up with you. Um, Harper, we, we did a watch along with Raw on Monday night, and Mike was the most disinterested piece of lump of shit I've ever heard in my life. I wonder why. <laughs> Dude, at le- I tried to at least talk about Raw. He wanted to talk about anything but Raw. And then just was like, now nah, I'm done. Let's turn it off. Hopper, That's nice. if, you, if you haven't seen it when it got on YouTube, because we YouTube lived it. We went live. Uh-huh. How long do you think we went? If you haven't already seen it. Uh... An hour? Well, okay, so hold on. Brian Malonis from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing came on and spent an hour where we did not talk about the product once. So we sort of just ran the ball for an hour and kept did ball control. That's nice. (laughs) That was smart if you ask me. We were taking the air out of the ball. They were running some clocks. Yeah, we're definitely running some clock, that's for sure. Uh, all right, so uh, let's uh, let's get ready to get into this thing, man. Uh, first off, special shout-out to the largest patron contributors we have monthly. Hall of Fame patrons, disrespectfully classy, Marky Blassy, at K underscore row 86, and Mike Childry. And then we got a Docaholic Spotlight of the Week, but I don't know if Doc wants to go there first, so I'm going to throw it to Doc because I really want to see uh, what you got because I think you got something, but we got a big spotlight from ESPN. 
Well, yeah, but first, and because I'm a respectful son of a bitch, don't we need to do some R.I.P. for uh, King Kong Bundy, my friend? Oh, yeah. Well, well I, I was going to do that. I, I just didn't know if you wanted to start things off with a uh, somber tone. I like to I like to start on a downer. I, I'm not nice. afraid. All right. Well, we do need a R.I.P. King Kong Bundy. We definitely need to do that. So you want to take the reins there? Man. Well, he was the first member of Devastation Incorporated, was he not? I actually need to look that up. I mean, he was there at the beginning. You got to look it up. Well, I don't know if he's officially Joe's like the first member. What the fuck? Because I mean, Akbar is Devastation Man, Inc. So I might be I mean, on the moon. I might be on. The, I might be on the moon. But Harper, we're dealing with Amateur Hour over here in the Jesus ghetto. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, wouldn't Akbar technically be the first member if he's the one who organized it? Yeah, but he's just some. Oh short yeah, but if he doesn't have a wrestler, right? He's yeah. not a wrestler though. So yeah. I'm gonna throw something that that I bet y'all don't even remember, and y'all reviewed this with me, was the fact that Bundy... He had hair. Not only did he have hair in early 82 in World Class, but Bundy was a part of the Ric Flair, Kerry Von Erich angle that ended, well, I don't say ended, but that ignited even yeah, further. Yeah, because they showed him cutting that promo, when he, like, eating an apple or some shit? Chicken wing, <laughs> asshole. Do you remember the story, though? Yeah. No, you don't. What was it? He got involved in the angle with Ric Flair and Gary. <laughs> you don't know the specifics about the check and the bounty put on Gary and Gary Hart was involved and Bundy was with Gary Hart. Anyway, Bundy was a big part something of that. About, something about he hit Gary so hard that Gary flew up in the cloud. No, nothing <laughs> like that. Anyway, Bundy, Bundy, Bundy had a a long career. I don't say long, but he had a well, nice sure career. That, well, before. he was on, he was on married with children at one point and wrestled Bud Bundy. And I'm pretty he, sure for Harper, Harper was Harper was your um, exposure to him fighting Hogan. I remember that in WrestleMania two. I remember in, yeah in uh, WrestleMania three when it was him and a couple of uh, heel midgets versus Hillbilly Jim and and the fucking good guy midgets and. The little midget was fucking down, right? I'm, I remember watching this thing. Wait, wait. He had, he, the little midget had Down syndrome? That's nice. <laughs> he's already down, down close to the ground. But <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's so down. He's got Down, down syndrome. That's fucked That's, up. <laughs> slow, a slow cooker. <laughs> so, uh, Keep going, Hopper. Doc is an asshole he, who's going to hell. And he's going to do the splash to him. And I remember thinking, this is so fucked up because it's it's not fair. Could this fucking King Kong Bundy and this fucking little fucking midget and he's going to fucking kill him. And there's no way he's going to do it. Right? There's just no fucking way. Wrong. He, he fucking gave him the fucking splash to fucking little beaver. And I was like, he fucking just killed this guy on fucking TV. That's what like the a, fuck? That's like a human you think that being was the, stepping you, on you a think that was the first? Do you think that was the first time that King Kong Bundy bruised a little beaver? Mm. <laughs> that's nice. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, I remember kind of from... Far, far, well, that's kind of a far fall in one year to go from wrestling Hogan to splashing midgets. 
Yeah, because remember, then he did that fucking commercial, the computer commercial. And, uh, I always thought he got paid off. pretty good on that. Yeah, and I, and and he didn't tell Vince about it, and that's what pissed off Vince, and that's when he uh, hit the road. Oh, well, made his money. I know that much. Yeah, and then he came back in, in the mid-'90s, and he was part of the uh, Ted DiBiase's group, and he, he, he didn't really do much. Well, R.I.P. King Kong Bundy. That was uh that one came out of left field, man. I I just woke up that morning and saw the R.I.P. and I was like, hmm. I guess he had a heart attack or something, huh? I didn't. As of us recording this, I didn't even look. I just that would make sense. Is how you didn't I didn't you didn't hear about him being ill or anything? No. Oh well, let's move on. I hate to do that, but uh, R.I.P. King Kong Bundy, Doc, Docaholic Spotlight time. You got a good one for us. Well, I heard this this week that we have been called in to do what Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, and thousands of others who have tried have not been able to do, and that is save a failing ESPN. So I'm going to put ESPN in the spotlight because we were uh, we were referenced in an ESPN article, were we not, Mike? You are correct, sir. You hear about that, Harper? Yes, yeah, saw that. You, you shared it, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, We're it's the worldwide uh, it's... Are we now the worldwide leader? Damn it! Damn it! Well, we saving we saving jobs at ESPN, man. ESPN's uh, counting on us. But anyway, so the guy who posted it, uh, Greg Wyshynski, I think is his name. He's a hockey guy, and. I was looking up something because I was I was gonna post, which I did last week. Uh, by the time you hear this, I was gonna post the the full Wild Bill Irwin interview from like two years ago. God, it doesn't even seem that long. He was on, but he was on two years Bullshit. ago. Bullshit! You you were googling yourself again, weren't you? No, Getting mad that REM comes up every time you Google yourself. <laughs> yeah, dork. I was I was googling Wild Bill to get like a, a thumbnail pic so I could upload it with the episode. And when I when I when I googled it and I clicked on images, it showed Wild Bill ESPN. So I like clicked on it and the article popped up that, you know, this Greg person decided to reference the interview that Wild Bill did on BTT uh, two years ago. Now, the article was from a year ago and he literally took clips or posted verbatim Wild Bill's answers in the article. So there you go. We're making we're making history, baby. We're on ESPN. I want to make out with Linda Cohn or Coon or whatever really? her name is. Yeah. She don't do nothing. She what don't would, do nothing. What would, Michelle, what would Michelle Tafoya have to say about that? Oh, God, I forgot about her. That's only during football season. You got a thing for her still, Harper? Yeah. I, I, I guess, yeah. She don't do nothing for me either. I wouldn't kick her out the mm. head. You're too busy drooling over Sage Steele, huh? She all right. You know, Who was that? Kind of, ESPN, like uh, she does the. Was, Jam- uh, was Jamil Hill? Was Jamil Hill your girl? Nah. Well, she's gone, huh? She's working for the, for uh, the Atlantic a, now. For being a short, bald, ugly motherfucker, you sure got some high standards. <laughs> okay, Baron Corbin, <laughs> Harper, you've never seen Doc, but I was telling the people on Facebook, I'm sorry, YouTube Live the other night, Doc looks like Baron Corbin, except with hair. 
Uh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Hey. He's bu- he he's almost built like him, except you know, not no, not really, but you know, he's a little bit more pudgier than Baron. But yeah, he kind of looks like Baron Corbin. No facial hair, but has hair on his head. There you go. That's how Doc looks, everyone. I look like Baron Corbin, except for everything. So You're Doc, you want? That's nice of you to say. You want to mention the anything else related to dis- the uh, the ESPN article? I don't think so. I mean, when they need us to come help out again, I guess we'll be there. Yeah, right. The truth is like they did Barstool Sports. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do to Barstool Sports? They were too risque for them, oh, okay. which, is, which is true. That's great. Then I don't think we stand a chance. Right. All right, well, we'll we'll keep on moving. So thank you, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, referencing BTT in our article or our conversation with Wild Bill. Shout out to Merciless Jones on Twitter, a.k.a. Richard Leslie. Richard is a BTT Hall of Fame patron, has been so for nearly a year now. Uh, thanks, Richard, for all your support and enjoy Patreon since you made the move there. You get all those video reviews along with the world-class reviews and everything there. And then also welcome to new patron members, Amp Williams, Brian Kinnerson, and Big Tank 760. Actually, Big Tank, you moved over from Podbean, I believe. So thanks for signing up. Enjoy all the new content, the world-class shows, and everything else that is put up on the Patreon link. Now, are you all ready to get into some Starcade 1987 Part 1? We're going to do the I first got, half tonight, guys. All right. I got, one more, I got one more thing I need to bring up. Harper, you won't believe what this asshole said on the Raw Watch Along the other night. What do you say? He, man, Jesus. He put it out there that he's willing to sponsor another show watching the current product. Oh, God. You fucking crazy, bro. You just sponsoring yourself. Because let me me tell you about that Raw episode we just watched. That shit better become a cult classic because it's a collector's item because it's one in a series of one. And much like the broads of BTT, it ain't ever happening again. <laughs> I was crushing up no-dos and snorting them and sticking them up my ass like a suppository trying to stay awake. Fuck that. That's nice. <laughs> we, um, we did get a request, man. People want live shows. They want us to do live because they can interact with us. Well, fuck that. So we can be all the way live? All the way live, baby. What's I mean, I'd there? actually consider it if YouTube would lift the goddamn governor they have on the YouTube account that we have with the freaking, I don't want to get into it, but let me just say this. It would actually be a good idea if YouTube wasn't a bunch of assholes. Well, how will they interact? They would just throw, throw the questions up? You got like there's Facebook a, there, Live? Yeah, it's like a, there's a live chat sidebar on the right. So like. You know, we had a bunch of people on and they were asking questions like they were asking Malona's questions and throwing questions at us. And like we did it. We did it. We did a test one on Saturday and fuck, Doc and I went 45 minutes just answering questions, man. Oh, so yeah. Like it's actually kind of cool to do. Dude, I can only see you, Harper. Somebody asking you questions. Oh, my God. The train What's wreck up? that would ensue. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it once a month. Ask Harper. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right anyway so we did but i mean it is a cool concept but youtube's just their whole monetization thing they got to get that they they got to work that shit out with small time folks like us man they got to share the riches with the people 
You got really to share do. the riches with the. You got to share the riches with the bitches. Come on now. Wow, that's nice. All right, anything so, else? Anything else, Doc? Man, let's get to Shawtown Heat Rumble, whatever this is. I'm with you on that. So we are in Chicago for Starcade 1987, Chi-Town Heat. And let's see, we got an eight. I looked up some things as we're getting started here. We got 8,000 people who are reported in attendance, and that's according to Wikipedia. And, you know, Wikipedia tells the truth. So take that for what it's worth. Right. I did. I did some looking too, and I believe this uh, arena held nine nine thousand five hundred. Yes, yeah, so it's. Doesn't it, that seem kind of small to have something like Starcade at? Well, that's what happens when you go outside your territory to try to yeah. run a big show. I looked it up. It's basically like their version of the of the UNO Lakefront Arena. And it's, well, they yeah. were doing. They were doing. They did a show there too that night. Yeah, and then I was thinking, man, that's a. It's a small little building for, you know, this is your flagship show. This is your Super Bowl. You combine that with the fact that Vince pretty much killed the pay-per-view receipts, and uh, maybe this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Doc, aren't you the guy that a month ago, month and a half ago, when this was announced, you're like, I don't know, I'm thinking matters if it's in Chicago. Uh, it don't matter. I so don't, what? I, th- I think that the most important real estate premise out there is location, 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 pal. What are you talking about? Okay. And you said it didn't matter. It was in Chicago, but now you're going to say it. So Harper, you're absolutely right. I mean, this building is kind of like the UNO Lakefront arena in new Orleans in that that's about the capacity of UNO. Yeah, Actually, cause, maybe. Because it, I, yeah, cause at the time this was called the UIC pavilion, which is the university of Illinois of Chicago. That's where they would, I guess, play their basketball games. And that's, you know, that's what UNO is. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's oh. it's basically almost equivalent size, and I mean, yeah. we went to ROH last year there, but I mean, let's be real, you and I have been to, to wrestling a few times in Lakefront Arena, and I mean, when it's full, it's a nice venue and yeah. it can get loud. But I've been to the fucking point- house shows there, though. Yeah, no, me Not too. Starcade, <laughs> right? Well, I think the biggest the biggest show I probably was at there would would be ROH last year, and. Oh. I went to, we had free tickets to like an ECW pay-per-view there in like 99, maybe. That was uh, November to remember. Yeah, that one. So, Uh, and I don't remember that one being, that building was not full that night. (laughs) So anyway, you're right, Hopper, a smaller building. Uh, We're out of Atlanta and Greensboro, which makes no sense to me i will i will especially greensboro let me make that point i just don't understand why we had to go to chicago for this but so be it whatever and we kick off this show and it is a six man tag match we got sting michael hayes and jimmy garvin on one side with precious old sting go ahead sing it hopper man Man, god sting yeah doc doc was doc was hyped for this one well, I'll just say that the highlight of Sting's career ought to be that he got to come out to the Bad Street song. Okay. <laughs> well, they are taking on Larry Zabisco with Baby Doll, along with Rick Steiner and Eddie Gilbert. Now, uh, I should ask y'all this pre-show, but let me just, do y'all want it to be, I'll run down what happened and then y'all kind of give y'all thoughts uh, after I give the results. Make it easy. Well, I got a couple yeah. of- I got a couple of pre-match things and also just to reset because I did believe I did this two years ago 
for Starcade '85. I did go in and get everybody, everybody that we're going to see in a match. I got their age, so we can go through that at the end of the match if you'd like. Jesus, but Christ, I pulled everybody. A lot of work. I pulled every, I pulled everybody's age for this one. Um, before the match, uh, there's that goddamn scaffold again. Ugh. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Hey. But they take it down after this. Thank fucking god. Yeah. Well, after after yeah, the actual scaffold I- match. I was wondering why that fucking promo was going so long with fucking Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> right. I'm going to play like, it just because Christ. of that. We're, we're going to talk <laughs> that about motherfucker that, was tra- that motherfucker was trying to filibuster major legislation. <laughs> um, he was. He was. And, All right. And, and, and also in the first match, and I feel like they went and got some people and moved them into the card camera view because Dude. there were a lot of empty seats at the beginning. Yeah. I almost... I was hoping maybe people were just getting there late. That's what I thought. We got a late arriving crowd. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like dri- it's a long drive from it's a long drive in from Greensboro, <laughs> North Carolina. So <laughs> now it did fill up by the time the match ended. Right. It was it was pretty full. But I agree, it was quite empty, Doc. Uh at the start of the match. So all right. So Midway through the match, like I said, it fills up. Towards the finish, it breaks down into a six-way with all the guys fighting. Hayes had Zabisco pinned, but Zabisco got his foot on a rope. Hayes then had Zabisco in a sleeper hole, but Hot Stuff hits Hayes in the back of the head to break the hole. Steiner tags in and has Hayes in a bear hug and then a belly-to-belly that Hayes kicks out of. Hayes small packages Gilbert near the end, but Gilbert kicks out. We get another pin attempt on Gilbert at the end that looked a little off and should have been counted, but wasn't. And we have a time limit draw to start off the largest card of the year, the Super Bowl. Doc, your thoughts, and then we'll go to Harper. Okay. So real early on, did you see Sting, just all the early high spots? He's like a, did you see that? He had all the high spots early. I did. Yes. Yeah, he's like a young bucks, nineteen eighty-seven. Oh Jesus Christ! Come on, Doc. Uh, we did get Jr. give us a "It's Breaking Down" during that breaking down segment that uh, you mentioned just a minute ago. So that was some classic audio from Jr. Let and, me jump uh, in. Jr. was good on commentary. I thought throughout. Oh yeah, definitely. This is this is like in that like three-year window where jr's calling southern wrestling on a big stage yeah i agree yep and you know i i kind of get this i kind of knew this was going i didn't i didn't go back and look at results so that i'd be a little bit surprised i kind of guess this is going to a draw but i was entertained these i mean when you got six guys out there and the worst one sting that's not bad it's when sting has to be the best guys it's a problem I think you have a secret crush on Sting because you're always talking what I tell, about What I tell, I told, I told everybody, uh, I told Malonis the other night, the only person more overrated in the wrestling business than Hulk Hogan is Sting. <laughs> you did tell him that during, during our discussion with him. Uh, Harper, what would you have from all this? Uh, fucking Rick Steiner looks like a fucking Marvel superhero. The fuck? It looks like Somebody's someone up. fucking. It's like someone drew him. 
And, well, and he he's got a good build during this time period. He's got a really good he's got a perfect build. Yeah. And and fucking I mean the Michael P.S. Hayes knows how to get those motherfuckers to react to him. He knows how to get eyes on him. Yes, fucking moonwalking and that the fucking pointing down at him and all that shit. Well, they always used to star, say- he was the star of all this. I always say that they used to always say that about him in world class, though. I mean, like he he might not have been like the the great technician, but that some bitch had charisma and that rap and that flow and yeah, he knew how to get the people involved. Man, they could they'd react to him. That's for damn sure. Uh, Harper, anything else from it? Nah, just uh, right. it, it, it with that fucking draw. What that ref was like one, two, ah, eh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching the replay right now on the Patreon video, and he's just like, "Yeah, it, it." Let's just say it wasn't it wasn't well coordinated. You know what I'm saying? Good God! All right, so uh, Tony Schiavone and well, do you want do you want the ages of our participants? Go ahead, give them real quick. That's fine. So, who do you think's the oldest guy in the match? Larry Zabisco. He's one of two. Um, wow. Uh, Jimmy well, Garvin. Zabisco and Garvin. Yeah, Zabisco yeah. and Garvin are are both thirty five. Okay. And they're the old men in the match by a mile, by a mile. Right, because because Sting and Eddie and Steiner are young, right? Would it surprise you that Michael Hayes and Sting are the same age? Wow, yeah, a little because of was, how how much earlier Michael Hayes got started in the business. Right, right. So they're both twenty eight. Wow, <laughs> Gilbert yeah. is Gilbert's twenty six. Damn, God, <laughs> and his forehead's already all fucked up. Well, Gilbert doesn't live to be 34, so, I mean, he had to be young, right? Yeah. And yeah, Steiner died, died really early. And Steiner's 26. Now, I challenge you to think of any 26-year-old you could get your hands on right now and what you would trust them to do in life. <laughs> and these guys are out there at Starcade. Opening match. Well, I mean, Michael Hayes was main event in the Superdome, 19 years old. I, I, That's I crazy, his, huh? I can't remember his exact age, but he was very, very young, 20 I mean, years old well, or something man. like that. Yeah. So, so the thing of it is, is that what we see, you know, I just want to mention that for everything that could be going wrong in this promotion, with botching the UWF, going taking Starcade to the uh, out of state, all the events just mangling their pay per view. You're going to keep hearing how young the talent is in this first half of the card. They are young, that's for sure. All right, we'll keep going because we're going to have Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross cut in before the next bat- match, and then they throw it to. Missy Hyatt, so here it is. 
So there you have it, a time limit draw in our first event. Hi once again, everybody. Jim Ross and I are working here today along with Jack Gregory, Magnum TA, Bob Cottle, and the beautiful Missy Hyatt. Jim Ross. No doubt about it. I think of that last match. We just ran out a little bit of time there, I think, as far as the team of Hayes, Garvin, and Sting were concerned. It was a great opening contest here at Starcade 87. Okay, Missy Hyatt is down near the dressing rooms. Let's go to Missy Hyatt at this time. Watch out, Harper. I'm Missy Hyatt, and I want to personally welcome everybody to Starcade 87. And there is so much excitement going on around here. I'm sure everyone that's at home, and if you're viewing at closed circuit, I'm sure you can feel the excitement there. We've already seen one great match, and we have got so many more. You're going to be seeing Ric Flair and Ronnie Garvin going up again, and we're going to be seeing a whole lot more. So let's go back to Tony and Jim. Okay, Missy, thank you very much. You're right. We are only one match into Starcade, and as you said earlier, we have five titles on the line here today. One of them, the UWF heavyweight title, Dr. Death, Steve Williams defending against Barry Windham. Let's go to the ring. All right. So, uh, any thoughts, Hopper, on Missy's Hyatt right there? Yum. <laughs> Is she all the way live? Man, dude, she was so hot, bro. Jesus. Looking good. Is she in a bang? Yeah, she in a banging a fucking brother from the Wonder Years. What a fucking dork! Wow, <laughs> that one made Bitch off, hot. buddy. Bitch off, buddy. Yeah. Doc, any thoughts about Missy right there? All the way live. Mm. Spank make spank bank material for you back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. No Without doubt. a doubt. <laughs> Was Tony Schiavone Without saying? a doubt. Without question. <laughs> and, and now she's fighting uh, Union troops. And, and, <laughs> oh, she does this. And, 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 uh, and uh, Charleston. Or she's like defending she... Charleston or something. <laughs> yeah, but I'm that not... sounds bad until you re you realize how much better her life is than Sonny. Yeah. Son yeah. yeah. That's Let's true. Be real. She, Let's be real. She's she's doing better than some former people in the business. Yeah, a lot of former people. Right. She's <laughs> one. Okay, one. She she's she's alive. She she right. actually, you know, that's a has, plus. Has a job, and she, <laughs> you know, she's no seriously. That's definitely yeah. a plus. But but you know, we're, we're laughing here. But I mean, Missy might uh, allegedly looks like she may have had some surgeries to her face, but she's alive uh. and. Well, I'm just saying, I, I, I hear people say that, and I'm like, well, do you know that for a fact? They go, oh, just look at her. I'm like, okay, I, I'm not a pro on plastic surgery, but okay. Anyway, I don't, I'm not here to, to talk about Missy present, but back then, Missy was all the way live. Doc, any thoughts before we move on? Well, I'm a little surprised that you like her, because I get why Harper, and she'd be right in that Heather Thomas, Heather Lockley, yeah. or... Mm. Wheelhouse, but what are you doing coming down White White Street? I mean, I didn't say that would be my first choice, but I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna respect her and be like, "Damn, girl, look here, so, what's happening, mm. baby?" But you're in that you're in that period between Dark Journey and Jackie show, Miss Jackie showing up, so you got to do something. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think who else there was back then, but yeah, you know, I mean, for, for your for your people. I mean, no she's lying. walking. She's walking down the street in the Eighth Ward, in New Orleans. I'd be like, "Girl, what's happening?" <laughs> I mean, want me to keep Jeez it real? Or what? Christ, no wonder, no wonder you were a virgin till you were twenty-four. 
<laughs> Dork. That's not true, but okay. <laughs> Next right. matchup, the second match. Oh, what? Go ahead, Hopper. Get it. Get your dig in. You were 25. <laughs> not I'll- quite. You remember your first blowjob? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's his Patreon episode. Let me tell you if there ever was one. It really is. Okay. Barry Windham is about to take on Dr. Death. Actually, he's already doing it on Patreon at tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. Uh, this one's for the UWF TV. I'm sorry, UWF heavyweight title. Uh, that dubbed in music for both of them is the shits. Uh, Dr. Death and Barry <laughs> Dr. Death and Barry shake hands with the ROH code of honor at the start of this match to show a ton of respect from each other. Uh, the crowd didn't seem too happy in the beginning though. They went outside the ring. Almost felt like I heard a boring chant. But yeah, they, that was at twenty that was at twenty five fifty five, because I have a note. Okay. So Hopper, did you hear that too? Yes. This crowd what? was they they were waiting for something to happen. That and, just never happened. It didn't come close to happening. So I'm going to ask Harper first this time, Doc, because you uh, Harper was telling me a while back. And then he told me again last week, he was like, man, I remember when, you know, Dr. Death is seeing Dr. Death and Barry was going to, you know, wrestle each other. And I was thinking, oh, man, that ought to be good. But Harper, so you thought that beforehand. But then once you watched it, what's your overall assessment and thoughts on the match? This was uh, this was horrible. <laughs> Damn. And. And I'm thinking maybe it's it was leading up to something, or because I because when when a doctor death guy hit in the nuts, I'm thinking okay, this is when the handshake and shit stops, and someone turns fucking heel. This is when doctor death gets pissed off. Fuck you, you hit me in the fucking nuts, and this is when he starts kicking the shit out of him, and it didn't happen. And it's just, and I'm, I mean. I'm hoping this will, I mean, we're in fucking 2019, but I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, maybe this fucking leads to a, a feud or a rematch or something like that, or, you know, maybe, oh. but, but it doesn't happen, right? It's just, this is it, huh? huh? Well, if you remember, Larry Zabisco's already cutting promos on Barry right. Windham. And Barry Windham's already cutting promos on Tabisco in the studio the week or two weeks before all this goes down. But I agree with you. This face versus face match at Starcade with only one belt on the line was just a very weird dynamic. And I totally agree. You can watch the fans during the match. They're all just sitting there. I don't know if they were bored, but I agree. It was like they were kind of waiting on something. Something yes. happened. Um, Doc, your thoughts on this. Yeah, I thought when he, because Dr. Death super sold his nut, I thought, man, that's, like Harper said, that's going to be, fuck, man, we could be all friends till you hit me in the nuts, then fuck you. So, people did not like this. Go, um, give us their ages, uh, and then I'll, then I'll talk about the, then I'll go through the finish, Doc. Well, they are both the same age. These two gentlemen are very, very young. 27. 27. Oh. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so so Hayes is 28, Sting is 28, Gilbert's 26, Steiner's 26, Dr. Death's 27, Wyndham's 27, 
but we've talked at ad nauseum about the free fall of Barry Wyndham, but he went from taking Rick to the limit to losing to Dr. Death in less than seven minutes. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, if you, if, there were people, I guarantee you, there were marks like you who in 1987, for real, thought Wyndham was this close to winning the NWA Heavyweight Championship earlier in the year. I mean, Man, it's still, it still bothers me almost. In a, well, I don't say bothers me, but it's kind of nuts when you think about that match he had with Flair. We sat there and reviewed it. I mean, they went, we, we only plus, got like... A-pluses. We yeah, and we only got like thirty to five forty minutes of it, if I recall correctly. But they went balls to the wall, and it's just incredible. And then now he's been having this Western State Heritage for a while, and he's in this match. He's young with Doctor Death. Um, I'm actually watching right now to transition a little bit when Doctor Death does take the nut shot. And Harper's right; it's like you're waiting for something to happen because the nut shot took place, but nothing ever ever happens. Uh, Doc tried to take the leapfrog, and as as Doc takes the inadvertent headbutt from Wyndham, and what was weird was Wyndham didn't go on the attack though, as Doctor Death sells the groin, and then they go straight from that to a side headlock takeover, and as it got near the end, Barry attempts to hit a crossbody to Doctor Death, and Wyndham flies over the top rope and rope and takes a like a bad spill, as Wyndham came into the ring. Doctor Death catches Wyndham and rolls him up into a small package, and the crowd the crowd literally was like, "Gah." And there was no reaction. Yeah. Dr. Death wins. Uh, remember, the Western States heritage is not on the line. Doc wins, so he retains the UWF. But, I mean, yeah, literally, I was, nothing else. I was watching. I was like, well, well, maybe it was two out of three falls. And that's why they had this fucking match. But then and, I see he, the, he takes the belt, then he leaves. I'm like, fuck. All right. No, mind. Yep. And the problem here is both of these guys deserve a lot better. This was just like bad to put them against each other in this match. I mean, just it like had no point to it. I mean, I know the UWF title was on the line, but he, babyface versus babyface. I don't know, man. You know, and uh, we like both of these guys. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, I want, and that's the biggest. The biggest problem is I like both of these guys and wanted better for each one of them. Yep. So Doc wins and that's it. So, all right. Harper, any other thoughts on that match before we move forward? Uh uh. Doc, you? Nope. No, we talked about it longer than it lasted. Actually, yeah. you're right. We watched, um, again, I got it up on Patreon and the, the video, it literally, the match just ended and Doc got his hand raised and he's grabbing a belt or about to grab the belt and walk out. So we'll go to the Doc next always one. gets his, Doc, let me tell you, Doc always gets his hand raised, pal. Dr. Death, you mean? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh. Do, oh. Do, you? No. Uh-uh. Hey, Harper, it's funny. Uh, Mrs. Doc LaFonda made a run-in on our live show the other night or Saturday yeah. when we were recording. Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. I, feel, I mean, the, the, the BTT Army really saw who wore the pants in that relationship <laughs> that night. That's nice. They really saw it. What's funny is I, I, I laugh because uh, there's a number of people out there who actually think my wife's name is Sasha, which that's that always uh, tickles me a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> Doc says it. <laughs> so LaFonda and Doc. I mean, uh, LaFonda and Sasha. All right. 
let's uh, keep it moving. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express in a scaffold match. And uh, before we even start the match, to me, you can certainly see that the scaffold this year is definitely lower than the one from last year. And Cornette actually yes. has confirmed that to me. Cornette has said it was lower. None of them were as high as Starcade 86, the Skywalker match then. Um, so your thoughts, Hop, uh, Doc, you first. You said yes. you agree? Oh, it was it was easily visible that that thing had they'd cut a few rungs out of that one. I was just wondering if Bobby Eaton was like, man, I don't want to do the scaffold match. And Stan was excited because he's like, no, 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 man. You get a better view of all the rats up in the up in the back from up here. I can I can see the bitches better. <laughs> I get a bird's eye view from up here, pal. <laughs> Stan, old Stan, Stanfield. But you know, we get into the match, and Gibson is the first one busted open, which is a little odd. Then Eaton got busted open, and I don't care how many times I watch them or how low they are. I look at that scaffold shit, and I'm like, not a chance. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm it, not. I'm not doing it. It doesn't look that high. I mean, we because when you think about it, when they're hanging there from the bottom of their feet to the ground, it's probably about ten feet to eight feet. This scaffold during this year, yeah. you're absolutely correct. It's not a. Right. It's not a long drop. I totally agree. Um, I wouldn't want to fall from it uncontrolled, but uh, yeah, yeah, if you're hanging from the rung of it. If you take it right, you know, take the bump. I mean, if you, literally, if you took a back bump, it, it would probably be the best way to take it. But yeah, um, I agree. This one wasn't too bad, but I'm with Doc. You know, like I, I feel like if I never see a scaffold match again, I'm fine. I didn't mind it at Starcade 86. I liked it, actually. But right here, it's just like, all right, we did this already, man. Somebody's going to die on this, falling off this shit. I don't know. If I, I'm gonna I agree. I agree. But if you if you can. I, my thought on that was is if you could separate them in your mind, I actually thought this one was better than 86. It just wasn't the first one that we saw in the promotion. Um, so I don't know if one is better than the other. I think because if you're talking about not, I mean, I know they did scaffold matches before NWA Jim Crockett promotions, but my point is if you're talking about JCP, I thought last year's was, was better. But again, man, did you see Gibson rip off that pole and like go after him with it? Yeah, yeah. Gibson's busted open too. They threw salt in Morton's eyes and um. And fucking bubble got up there. Yeah. So let me um let me go. We we saw some of what I'm about to explain. But so the rock and roll was in control. Bobby Eaton brings out the powder. I guess Morton got the powder, but the camera work was so bad you never see it. Um, Eaton and Gibson get busted open. Uh, Stan and Morton are the are the actual first two to leave the main part of the scaffold. Uh, Stan then falls off from underneath. Beautiful Bobby is next, and the Rock and Roll win the match. They actually, you know, unlike the previous match, they got a nice little pop when they won. Uh, but I will, I will. Uh, Cornette orders. Well, let me say this: Cornette orders Bubba to go after Ricky and Robert on the top of the scaffold. Ricky escapes though after hitting Bubba with a low blow. Rock and Roll get down off the scaffold. Uh, you that know, not to think about. Yeah, it was, and not to think about Bubba, it. Doc, Bubba probably... gets up there, dude, and he fucking just stares him down. He takes the hat off, then he takes mm-hmm. the jacket off, <laughs> and he takes the 
the fucking suspenders off, like, oh, fuck, what's he going to do? Hits him in the nuts and runs. Hubbard, did you think this one was better than last year's? Well, the, well, the last one, we saw Cornette get all fucked up, so you got to see the heel manager finally kind of get his. Literally. Right. Because he really so, fucked his knee up. Yeah. So, I would think the first one was was a better with the Road Warriors. Uh, Doc, what other thoughts you have about this as we're getting to the end of it? Well, the reason I say that is, it's like you're you got a hawk and animal. Why don't they just reach over there and grab snatch those dudes and toss them off? It, when you got the rock and roll, who are great workers in this in that sense. They're about the same size as the Midnight, so it seems more reasonable that they would struggle with one another to not get thrown off. No, there's something to that because they're more equivalent in size. You're right. See, the the thing was the visual with Hawk and Animal, when they climbed that scaffold, and you remember like Animal climbed up there and he's like, <laughs> like the fucking crowd went ape shit on their entrance, which I know they always do because of that Road Warrior pop, but my point is like, it, it, they just went absolutely crazy, which was just that that made it a, a bigger that made it a huge spectacle to me when the Road Warriors did that. But I mean, I kind of see your point. You got you got a much more uh, comparable teams here that are that are doing battle. So I'm about to I'm watching it now, and, and Stan is getting ready to take his fall. Hey, Stan remember- was like, dude, let me go. Stan was like, let me go do some monkey bars across like that. <laughs> Right, he's going to get away from Ricky Morton, who's pushing him, uh, and then Stan fell. That Stan's, Stan's fall, I just saw it. It's nothing compared to last year. I mean, yeah. it's almost, yeah. you're right, Hopper. It's almost like when they're sitting there hanging, I mean, their mm-hmm. feet are almost at the same level as the top rope. So Exactly. So it's which, not that bad of a right a fall at all. It's like, it's like jumping off the top rope. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. basically what it is. Um, but, you know, I, again... Decent match. Uh, I'd say it's it's probably one of the better scaffold matches. I still like I still like last year a little more. But Doc, any other thoughts on it? Um, I'd be happy to report some ages for you if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. What you got? Um, who do you think's your oldest competitor here? Uh, Robert. Bobby Eaton. Stanley. Oh. Wow. <laughs> and if you look at him Stan today, feels, he definitely looks the youngest one, the youngest of all of them. Stan feels 34. Oh, shit. Damn. Morton like, is next. What's Morton? Morton is next at 31. Wow. Okay, keep going. Gibbs. Gibson is 29. Oh. And, and Eaton is 29. Shit. And I said Eaton was the oldest. Holy shit. All I'm this I... young talent. Damn. So Stan's like in his in his early to mid 60s. Yeah. Have you and seen pictures fucking... of him lately? Yeah. He looks good, man. Fuck yeah. Yeah, he looks good, man. He's he's good looking dude. Wow. Man. 
In great shape. Uh, I'm watching Bubba as he climbed up there and threw the threw the hats off and jacket, going after Morton. Uh, you seen good fucking? Stuff. Uh, you seen Predator, right? You, yeah. You see? You, you, yes. That reminds me of the part when the guy Billy, the fucking Indian, when he's on the fucking tree, and he takes his rifle and he throws it into the water. Then he takes off his fucking vest and he throws it off in the water and he pulls out that big ass knife and he cuts himself across the chest and he and he goes to take on the fucking predator. That's probably where they got that shit from because that's exactly what the fuck he's doing. Would what year was Predator? Yeah, the same year, eighty seven. Because because if you notice, what's he? He takes a tennis racket and he throws it down. Then he throws the hat off and the jacket, just like in 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 fucking Predator. Okay, so Harper's on to something. June twelfth, nineteen eighty seven, is the release date for the original Predator. I'm looking. I just looked it up. Watch, <laughs> Google that scene on fucking YouTube. I will. I will. That's incredible, though. Ah. <laughs> uh... I, I mean, I wouldn't have put it together, but I mean, this is just I mean, a few months later. We should, uh, hey, I mean, we should, well, we should ask Corny sometime. I mean, Predator is like my favorite fucking movie. I've seen a thousand fucking times. And so, I, yeah. I love that movie. I, I, I'll ask him, Doc. I may send it to the drive through Who knows? You're going to be one of those guys? So when I'm, when I'm listening to it, I got a, <laughs> a fucking uh, Travis uh, Hackle's going to draw a fucking picture of... Uh, of of a bubble as as fucking Billy from You should hear it. You should hear him at work. He was been on he went on that show one time on the experience and now it's it's like he's best friends with Jim Cornette. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fucking no clue what you're talking about. All right. So I think we need to talk we need this there's not a lot of promos in this. We got one more match to do in part one, but I gotta play something for you guys. Here it is. Is it a filibuster? Oh, down on the ring at this yes. time, having a tantrum, and I guess understandably so. What an exciting match Jim Ross to have. It certainly was, and I, I would I want to go back and 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 t- touch on just a moment, Tony, that UWF Heavyweight Championship matchup. Okay. You know, the fans saw Barry Windham give Doctor Death a, a few moments to get himself back together after that inadvertent low blow. That's right. Doctor Death did not give Barry Windham that uh, opportunity as he was very, I think, at a very desperate state to retain his championship. In any event, uh, Doctor Death Steve Williams did retain the title, and we just saw one of the most exciting Skywalker matches in history. Okay, as we said, Bob Cottle is with us here today. Bob is down near the dressing room with this special interview. And right you are, Tony. We're here with gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, precious Freebird Michael Hayes. Jimmy, what an event. What a day. It has already been. But I know you're disappointed that you didn't win the match. Well, I'm not that disappointed now, Bob, because I didn't lose the match either. You know, we didn't win. We didn't lose. But it was a good contest. Michael Hayes, myself and I, and Sting, we feel confident that we had a good, exciting match. And the fact is this, I'm just really excited on behalf of my squeeze, precious, and Michael Hayes, Bob. I'd like to tell all the fans that I'm just glad to be a part of Starcade 87. (laughs) 
It's the most what? exciting event in all wrestling history. I mean, the fact is, I get excited because I think about all the careers that are on the line tonight. I mean, we're just this far through it. There's a lot more action to come. And when I think about the guys like Dusty Rhodes right now, that must be just a little bit nervous because Boy, just in a few minutes, time. he's going to put his career on, a li on the line. Then you got the Road Warriors <laughs> against uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And as far as I'm concerned about that, Bob, Michael Hayes and I are really concerned Damn, about Doc, that hit the match mute because button we want to challenge the winners of that match. It don't matter if it's the Road Warriors or if it's Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Everybody knows it's no secret. Squeeze and I and Michael, we've been talking about it. We want the World Tag Team titles. They're on our mind and we're going to get them. My brother Ronnie, I get goosebumps up and down my back when I think about him. I love him to death and I know if anything, this is his day. Starcade 87 means a lot to everybody. Don't get me wrong, Bob. It means a lot to a lot of young careers. It means a lot to people that's been He's in this still sport got another for many two minutes years. To go. Myself, I'm just a proud with Michael and Squeeze to be a part of the Jesus. National Wrestling Alliance and Jim Crockett and to be on the winning team in professional wrestling in the takes wide world today. Takes a long time to take and a scaffold no down, guys. In mind that the National Wrestling Alliance has the greatest wrestlers in the world. Where's my, and my brother Ronnie there? Garvin Where's is at the top of the there? pile. He is the world heavyweight champion. I, I like to predict too, Michael. I do want to predict that it's not my fault, ladies and gentlemen, when my brother Ronnie keeps the world heavyweight title and defeats Ric Flair because nobody knows more than I do. And I've sat down and talked with my brother Ronnie for several hours about this. It means a lot to him because he did have a great match, there's no doubt, when he defeated Ric Flair in Detroit. But the talk is this, that match was nothing compared to the match that's going to happen later on. I'm telling you one thing, it's really going to be exciting. I'm going to be right here. In fact, I'd be on the front row if I could, but there's no seats left out there. In fact, ladies, there's no seats left anywhere, and it's going to be fantastic. I do predict my brother to win and keep his world heavyweight title. I do predict my buddy, that rascal Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream's not going to let the world down. He's not going to have to go into retirement. And uh, the Road Warriors aren't Anderson thing. You know how I feel about that. Jesus. And of course, Nikita Koloff and Terry Taylor. You can't forget about a match like that. There's two individuals fighting for the National Wrestling Alliance against the UWF. And of course, <laughs> there's no question in anybody's mind, the greatest organization in the whole wide world. And we're very proud to be a part of it. It's a National Wrestling Alliance. I know you're going to tell me my time's run out, but I'm going to tell you I'm finished talking and we got to go. So we'll see you later. Have a good evening. And good luck to you. All right, let's bring in Dr. Death Steve Williams right here. And you saw that. Doc, thoughts on Jimmy filibuster and some legislation? Bro, that was like dealing with a wife, just rattling off a promo and not saying a damn thing. <laughs> that might be the best analogy I've ever heard from you on the show in four years. But shit, man, I felt bad for Michael Hayes because he had to just stand back there and listen, man. Why couldn't he talk for part of it to at least? Yeah, really. Right. Put that shit in half. Mike Good was back God. there. Mike, Michael Hayes looked like a guy who was trying to was going to appear for a court date and had to clean up for the night. Yeah, yeah. yes, he did. No, Doc's not yeah. lying. He had a, he had a regular suit on, right, Hopper? Yeah. Well, they got out the shower because his hair was all wet and right and slicked back. So they they went and took a shower and and they got dressed. Yeah, but what did he get dressed in? I mean. That was a conservative getup for a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I meant. His suit wasn't outlandish at all. You'll never see him in something so simple. You know what that was? On. That was that was the that was the rocker slash dirtbag in the eighties that had to go to like a wedding <laughs> or a church ceremony. 
Dude, there, I do a bunch of those guys. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy that's like, hey, uh, my buddy's kids, uh, I'm the godfather to his kid. I gotta go to church on fucking Sunday. Fuck. Nice. So his that's hair nice. would be wet and like combed back like that. And... It smells like cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't going to play it, um, but since Dr. Death comes out after Jimmy. And then he goes for like two minutes, and they're literally just taking a long ass break so they can get that goddamn scaffold off. The, the one thing I do like about this is I remember as a kid watching a WWF pay per view. Fuck, it could have been WrestleMania too with the cage, and it had to set the cage up, and and instead of showing anything, it just said intermission, and it was just them putting the cage up. There was no one talking. There was nothing. It just, on the screen, you just watched him set the cage up, and it said intermission. And at least it gives you something to fucking look at. <laughs> just, I'd rather point. watch him put up the cage. I'd rather watch him put up the cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Harper, I, that may have been one of the first times they used the big blue cage. I can't remember. I In my Talk mind, I feel like that was the first time I saw it. Yeah, that may have been, may have been the first, one of the first. I, somebody out there will know that knows WWF history. But well, Doc, how do you feel about the blue cage? That's the worst. That blue cage is worse than Hogan and Sting put together. Bro, oh, that's nice. That's fucked up, man. It is. Why do you hate? Why do you hate the blue cage? Why do you hate the blue cage? I don't hate it, but it's it's certainly not. The, it's not a cage. Like, I don't know how right. to explain it. Like, it's, you know, we grew up on the NWA, Mid-South, World Class. And for us, Hopper, the cage is a fucking fence. It's a chain yeah, link the, fence. This was basically a, a big blue ladder. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's like it's, four it's huge lattice panel it's lattice. lattice. It's, it's a lattice. Yeah, I mean... My grandma could fucking climb up that fucking cage. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we think of a cage, we think of Harley and Ric Flair. And, yeah. And, and a, a fucking chain link fence around that bitch. And it was like, I mean, think about the very first time as a kid you saw that cage. It's like, somebody's shit. bleeding. Wait, Somebody everybody's bleeding. bleeding. Yeah, no, everybody's bleeding. Now. Everybody's <laughs> bleeding. No, you're right. What'd you say? And whatever. And. and Whatever's about to happen couldn't be contained in a regular ring for this shit serious. Mm-hmm. Shit just got real. Is is uh? Mm-hmm. It's about to it's about to be lit AF up in this bitch. Well, yeah, it's always good when things are lit AF. Um, also, very good to see Bob Cottle in the house. It was. Um. So real quick. Um. Before we get back to the match, I'm not going to play it, but we got JR and Tony Schiavone. They mentioned the Bunkhouse Stampede. And then they do a quick preview of the TV title unification match we are about to review between Terry Taylor and Nikita Koloff. Uh, one thing I want to mention about the Bunkhouse Stampede in January, it is uh, it is about a two-hour special that we are going to do. So uh, the one thing about going into 1988, there's actually, I don't want to call them pay-per-views, but there's actually three uh, specials slash pay-per-views. You got Stampede, Great American Bash, and then Starcade '88. So next year will be the first. Let's do them all tonight. This. Yeah, right. Anyway, watch alongs okay. tonight. Watch alongs tonight. 
Um, so, uh, Doc, any thoughts on JR and Shivani talking about the bunkhouse and Terry and Nikita right there before we get to the match? I feel like that this year's, because think about it. Uh, I feel like this year's bunkhouse is not going to be as bloody as we've seen in the past where guys just showed up with their, basically the front of their brain hanging out of their forehead. Because <laughs> we are now deep into Starcade and have only had two small forehead open openings. The well, business has changed a lot in the last two years. Um, I was going to mention that like on next week because the first match, I feel like it was the first match in 85 had blood. All of them did. And then it was like every match had blood. You would ram someone's head into a cage. Naturally. It's going to bleed. But it wasn't just that though. Yeah. But even like Ron Bass and JJ and Manny and, Everybody oh yeah, that's true, bleed. huh? Yeah. Everybody bled. The the fucking um Midnight Express had those tuxedos on against Big Mama, not Big Mama, against Boogie and Miss Atlanta Lively and holy shit, the blood on those suits just like it was nuts. But you're right, Doc. We are yeah. about to go into the next match and we have not seen blood yet. We yeah, have. We saw Eaton and uh Gibson. Oh, that's true. That's true. So one, I'm sorry, we had one match so far with blood, but and that was not anywhere near the amount of blood, and even in that one match that we ended up seeing in '85, '85 was just so right. good, though. Okay, so we're gonna go to the match. We got Terry Taylor and Nikita Koloff. I thought this was a slow match, although I thought Jim Moross made it better because, like, at one point Nikita reverses an arm bar that Taylor had him on, or had him in, and Jr. sold it and said, "Look." You know, that arm bar might not look like much, but Nikita is so strong, he can turn that thing into a submission. So I just thought, like, one, that from JR was just really good. Um, Doc, I'll throw it to you. What did you have from this? Don't you think that this match was a little slow just because they had come off the scaffold match and Dusty and them were next? So they were that was kind of their role on the card was to work slow. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess Arn and Tully are next, but it was sort of for everybody to take a breath. I didn't think this was bad, actually. I thought there's some good psychology going on. I thought Terry Taylor did a good job. I thought Nikita was okay. I I, I didn't mind this match. No, I don't hate I feel it. Like I never I, said that. I just said it's slow. I, yeah, I feel like I like Starcade better than the two of you did. Hopper, you want to answer that question so far? I mean, so far as it, it's it's kind of poo. I mean, he's not lying. So far, it hadn't been the greatest. Yeah, I was okay with what's going on so far, except for okay. Wyndham and Doctor Death. And the six man was all right. Yeah, Doctor Death was not all right. The scaffold was fine, and then this—I don't hate this. Let me say that I, I don't—I don't dislike this. It's just they work slow. And that was fine. Um, the the reason I another thing about this match, and let me I'll get to it in a second. When Nikita does win, I I thought the crowd really erupted. Mm-hmm. They they were into it. What'd you think, Hopper? I mean, they responded to him. Look, yeah, there's did. one thing we've learned in 2019 is that Americans have always secretly wanted to be Russian. There he goes. Got to get his little political digs in because that's what he. Are you playing heel or babyface right now, Doc? I'm confused. 
I'm not playing a goddamn thing. Okay. Uh, they end up going outside the ring on this thing on the floor, and Taylor finally gets in some offense because Nikita, I mean, he kind of pretty much dominated early with his power. Uh, towards the end, these camera, the camera angles are just terrible at times, uh, but it, it's just terrible. Nikita is getting in the ring, and Gilbert hits Nikita in the knee, but the only reason we know it's because JR and Shivani tell us. Uh, Taylor gets Nikita into the figure four, Bunch of shenanigans with Gilbert at that point, which causes the figure four to be broken. Uh, Gilbert then gets on the ring apron. He's fighting with Nikita. Taylor charges Nikita, but Nikita moves, and Taylor hits Gilbert. Uh, then Nikita hits Taylor with the Russian sickle, and Nikita pins Terry Taylor. And the unified title, uh, TV title is now Nikita Koloff's. Uh, Doc, throw it to you. Thoughts on, on everything that happened at the end there? Well, this effectively uh, retires the UWF TV title. You are correct. So that's where that belt classic, is. Uh, probably the Conradison, I would guess. I would um, guess it's at the Conradison as well. So then you got to look at the fact that uh, the, the burying of UWF has begun. But again... I didn't think Terry Taylor had a chance anyway, but for what it was, I thought this was a good match and I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was so fine. You had fucking cr- Gilbert involved. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. And I, I, like I like wrestling though. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, Gilbert, he reminds me of when I was a kid. Remember they had the uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse? They used to come on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But they had that's a your favorite puppet. show? No. But the, they had a puppet on there called fucking Randy. He was a little puppet that was always up to no good. He was like a little fucking prick. That's who he reminds me of was fucking Randy, the puppet from fucking Pee Wee's fucking Playhouse. <laughs> Not Cowboy Curtis? No. Remember him? Randy, the puppet. On Pee Wee's Playhouse. Pee-wee. Pee Wee's Playhouse. I am definitely looking this up because I he I was like a little that. well. The, the guy watched the video because he was he was like a little smart ass little puppet that was always fucking talking shit. <laughs> Jesus a smart Christ. ass puppet talking shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> oh shit! Oh man, <laughs> this this puppet. I can't explain it. He he. I don't remember him, but he he is a goofy looking bastard. Man, I want to click look on at P- You know what wouldn't fly today? Pee Wee Herman, man. There were all kinds of warning signs of what that would end up being. Fuck, dude! I used to love that movie so much, bro. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, uh-huh. that shit was so low budget, bro. That shit was great. I used to love his house. <laughs> That fucking house yeah. and he's eat, eating a fucking Mr. T cereal. <laughs> that fucking bike. You probably hey, speaking, want to bike. Speaking of, speaking of deviant sexual acts, what? Harper, have you seen, have you seen, well, you know, Pee Wee went to the theater and got busted for. Right. Oh, yeah. Isn't that such bullshit now in 2019? <laughs> he's well, just fucking jerking off in a fucking little booth, bro. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's, it, it's not like he's R. Kelly or fucking Michael Jackson or something. 
Speaking of that, he's just cranking one of off. That, Harper, have you seen the HBO documentary on Michael Jackson? I did not see it. No, I mean, I already know Bruh. he was a, a little, a little boy lover. Well, so we need to stop down for a second before we put some ages on Nikita and Terry Taylor here. I watched a few minutes the other night, and I, and it was so raw and real. Mike, this is a shoot. I ain't even told you this. It was so real that I turned it off. I couldn't Wait, what, Oh, wow. I got to watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> interested. They had a guy on there that was, you know, in, I got 30s in the 30s now. And he basically said that Mike, I mean, and he said this in as explicit terms as if he was the fourth guy in the booth here, that Michael Jackson put his dick in his nine-year-old mouth. Oh, and God. then made him crawl to the end of the bed with his booty hole out while Michael okay. Jackson beat uh, off. Let's yeah we, we we're not I, I, I that's nice that. that's that's I'm not even trying to no see okay. I turn and then I turned it off but man it's just okay that's, you know that's a little bit y'all need to watch even... uh abducted in fucking plain sight on Netflix that's yeah that's in my queue is that the one you told us to watch yeah so we could do a show on uh huh okay um all right yeah. Yeah, that that uh let me tell y'all something whenever we stop recording. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that one on the queue too. All right, let's keep going. So, yeah. Um, so basically uh, it was so rough. It was so rough that I had I was like, Oh man, that's the stuff and I had to turn it off. <laughs> and if you know if people knew the depravity and filth that gets passed along and texted amongst the three of us, I'm saying something right there. Yeah, you really are. Um <laughs> That, so that it crossed a line that, that that even I didn't know I had. Let's get back to Starcade Part One now. As he, we've done, he also stuck his tongue in. He also stuck his tongue in the little boy's booty. Oh, as Jesus! We've, as we've done with Starcade '85 <laughs> and '86, we did not <laughs> rate on. it. Do you want to know how old the, the participants are? Yeah, go ahead. Um. Well, T- Terry Taylor's your old guy in the ring here at 32. And, and Keith is 28. Woo! Boy. Just a, just a lot of talent in that late 20s, early 30s. Good prime of their career that the creative is really letting them down here. Do you agree, though, we're, we're not rating it at this point because we've only got halfway through it? Right. A plus. All right. So no rating. Ratings will come next week. There we go. Hit hit the tagline. No, we'll not hit it. the tagline yet. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess what? I guess so. Talk, Harper, Don't you can hit it, the tag. No, you can hit the tagline. Um, just for the NWA portion of it. But uh, we got to get over to Les Thatcher. Don't forget about that, man. You got any PWIs for us tonight? I do because we have well some time to fill. Actually, um, all right. If you want to, Harper. Nobody. Hit the, nobody does better at. PWI than me and Harper. So uh, we'll yeah. we'll see you in a little bit. We're, we're, uh, Harper and I are going to go study for the test. And yeah. uh, you guys will listen study to Les Thatcher. And, and uh, we'll be back to show you how smart we are. So real quick, before we go to Les Thatcher, a couple quick things. 
Uh, don't forget to use the Amazon referral link. That's tinyurl.com slash BTT Amazon. It is a great way to support this show on an ongoing basis without spending anything extra. Whatever you're spending on Amazon, the show gets a little kickback in return. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash BTT Amazon. Give that link to your wives, girlfriends, side pieces, and hoes in your life and tell them to bookmark it. It is important for them to bookmark it and use it every single time. And if you use it, thank you very, very much. All right, Hopper. Hit the tagline and get us over to Les Thatcher, part two. Fuck it, bitch. Tommy Noe and I have connected via social media, and he's been on the show multiple times, like I'd mentioned to you. He he mentioned an interview you did with the Headbangers to me where they took off your glasses and messed up your hair. Uh, he, he said, mentioned this to you, so I haven't <laughs> seen this yet, or I, if I've seen it, I don't remember. Do you recall this, and what was your reaction to yeah, it? Oh, yeah. I don't, remember. I don't remember if they took my glasses off or not, but yeah. Okay. Well, you know, here's uh, the, to, to embellish that funny story uh, was... Uh, Brian Hildebrand, uh, Mark Curtis, had a cat named after. He had a cat named Thatcher, and I said, "Why the hell did you?" Name? I said, uh, "You know, nobody's ever named a cat after me. Why'd you name the cat Thatcher?" He said, "Because like you, he's never got a hair out of place, right?" <laughs> and of course, you know, if I'm going on camera, just, I, I'm not necessarily a vain person, but you know, I'm I'm selling myself as part of the product here, right? So I wanted to dress properly and uh, you know, when I was much younger before smoking, I mean I was quite a clothes horse in my in my late in my thirties and forties, but um uh, so I you know, always wanted to make sure my hair was combed and everything. And somebody had put the bangers onto that, you know, like uh mess his hair up. And I I I, I didn't sell it. I didn't register it, but when I got to the back and they uh, they said, "I know you're hot," <laughs> you know, and it, it, you know it was, uh, but it was, yeah, it, it was just, it was a quick thing. I don't know if you'll catch it on camera or not. To be honest with you, uh, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, they were they were they're good guys too. Uh, you know, that was, we introduced a lot. Well, we talked about the uh, you know uh, the gangsters, the headbangers. Uh, the, the thrill seekers. We introduced a lot of. How about a guy by the name of uh, uh, Glenn Jacobs? Glenn Jacobs, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he was. Uh, he came in. Well, originally came in with Eddie Gilbert to be Eddie's partner, and then Eddie decided to go uh, to take off in the middle of the night and go to Puerto Rico. God rest his soul, which is where, you know where he passed away. So then Glenn ended up being partners with Al. Well, Al Snow wasn't a new guy. But Al had never been in a position to do TV with any regularity or do promos. Al's, you know, originally a, a Ohio boy too, up north of me in Lima. So he, you know, when he uh, we he'd drive down here and we go to make the TVs. You know, if we, that's all we were doing uh, together a lot. But that also, uh, you know, gave Al more exposure and actually got him his first contract uh, with WWF. So. There was a lot of that, you know, the talent that got uh, exposed there on Smokey that uh, may otherwise have still been, you know, hiding somewhere, in the, you know, behind the scenes if it weren't for that. Yeah, it's tremendous when you look at. It. I mean, uh, even um, was it um, Balls Mahoney as a? Um, oh God, I'm I'm dropping his name. Uh, Boo Bradley, oh, you know. Yeah, Boo yeah, Bradley, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and all the, now you want to talk about something that I never mind is cringing. At the that uh, Dujak talking about OJ, 
when they made like they had thrown uh, Boo's cat <laughs> in, in a, a tree shredder, shredder, right? I thought, Jesus, Jimmy, are you out of your friggin' mind? Right? <laughs> I, I, they, you know, every animal, uh, you know, uh, group in the world is going to be picketing the damn matches before this is all over. I don't know. I don't know if you've gotten to that point or past that point. I'm not even sure. But you, yeah, no. you know, at some point, Tammy. That's the way Tammy and Chris. Well, talking about great talent being exposed, Chris Candido, for God's sakes, but and Tammy got you know getting her start there. But yeah, they threw Boo's cat in into the shredder, and I thought, oh my God! And I'm a pet lover. I've got you know I've had dogs and cats all my life, and I thought, man, you want to talk about crossing the line? You're out of your friggin' mind. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, imagine if someone did that today. Oh, my God. Peter would uh, be in an uproar, even though it was just, you know, for TV. But uh, I agree. Uh, you're about to start talking about Tammy and Chris. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Chris, to me, was he felt like a star even from the time he got there, even though he was still learning. And Tammy, I mean, I've heard the story from Jimmy she's on TV that first time. And literally, I mean, that's the only, it's the first time she'd ever done TV. And it's just unreal how quick she grows into that role and uh, being able to cut those promos. So a uh, tremendous stuff again, once from Smoky Mountain Wrestling and again, you know, two people that basically, I don't know. I mean, Tammy definitely got her start there, uh, but Tammy and Chris, you know, got their start very, very young in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, just like a bunch of other people. Yeah. Chris, Chris and I hit it off well because he was, uh, he was a, uh, a, uh, big uh, weight room freak like myself and and so we got a chance to train together some and we'd we'd talk you know go have lunch and, and talk nutrition and and uh different ways you know to lift and, and uh work out and so forth so yeah sadly enough there's a guy that uh you know went way before his time and, and just an amazing amazing talent uh, yeah, he was um he was good i really you weren't on commentary at the time but the the feud he had with tim horner um, in 93, I believe it was, uh, th- those two, I, I, I really liked their little feud. It ended up with like a baby bonnet match. It just was, it was really good stuff and it was fun to watch. Um, but they, they uh, and that was when Chris first got there, but he was so good. And like you said, just gone way too soon. You know, he, uh, just a raw deal that, you know, took him. It's just, it's, it's really sad what happened to him. Yeah. You know, it's just a shame. I mean, that, uh, that territory couldn't survive. And, and, you know, looking back at it, uh, when, when I first went in and started doing the shows, uh, they, uh, well, I'll tell you the first Coliseum show I, I ever did. I don't remember what the hell, well, it was for the, it was, yeah, it was early on because they were getting, uh, it was Garvin. I forget who all was, uh, but it was, uh, the finals for the, uh, Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Championship. And yeah, we did that was the, the uh, Volunteer Slam 92, right? Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I, I remember driving in and, and uh, you know, it come in the night before. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I'm one of these people that if I'm uh, if I'm on time, I figure I'm late. So I always try to get every place early. And uh, I had never, you know, worked Smokey uh, at the time uh, or, or, you know, done the promos or anything. So I pull in the uh, bottom of the Coliseum. Of course, that's where we wrestled at Southeastern, so I was very familiar with the building. So as I'm walking in, uh, Horner, and I forget if somebody was with him, they were coming out toward the, the underground parking, and they said, 
boy, Cornette's going to be happy to see you. And I said, well, I said, you better hurry. I said, I'm not expected. Why am I, why am I hurrying? Because there's nothing to do. But I forget who the kid was that had been doing the ring announcing. It wasn't Tommy. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Nice guy. Uh, but he was, they were trying to, he was trying to do the promos, intro the, uh, you know, interview the guys and intro the promos. And Jimmy was pulling his hair out. And I just, <laughs> you know, I walked in the door and Jimmy said, Les, grab his microphone. I said, what? Here, you got to do this, right? <laughs> and I'd never done a Smoky Mountain promo in my friggin' life, right? So you 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 start now, right? And that's, that was my introduction to doing Smoky Mountain promos that particular day. But you know what? I had so much fun with that. JR said, you know, uh, it was um, it was just, you know, and work with Jimmy uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, so much, especially... And realizing, you know, I'd seen him as a fan in 1978 and watch how he had grown. And, um, you know, and we, you know, we were, I mean, he would, you know, like I say, he'd tell you what he needed, but he didn't come out and tell you how to, you know, he didn't put words in your mouth. You know, he realized that, uh, you know, he hired us because we could create, for, you know, on our, our own. And uh, I, I think that's what's missing in the business today, Mike, honestly, is, you know, given a guy, I mean, there are guys who sh- need to be told every step of the way, but, uh, you know, uh, so much is so cut and dried, so micromanaged that it's just, uh, it leaves, the people don't get emotionally involved. And they, mm-hmm. they did. You want, you want a good story about the great mind of Jimmy Cornette where he slips up once in a while? You sure, please. Have you <laughs> sure if you can pull anything over Jimmy, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, have you seen Bluegrass Ball where Lance Russell and I did the, the commentary? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. All right. You know what? How many guys are in that main event? What ten guys or eight? I, I forget. Right? Uh, Remember, it was four. Yeah. Four. It, it's uh. Well, it, it was the three teams technically, so it would be nine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Three. T- yeah. Okay. So anyway. As I mentioned, you know, Jimmy would say, I need this out of this match. I need this out of that match. And, and on this particular situation in Pikeville, um, we didn't have headsets, right? There were no, there were no headsets. So we just Lance and I with our microphones. And so we're into the main event. And, of course, we're we had, the other bad part, we didn't have monitors, right? So we didn't know what the cameras were shooting and these guys are over here doing this. Somebody, two other guys are here, two other guys. And like, what the hell are, you know, uh, should we be calling? We weren't sure either. So <laughs> as, as this match is building, uh, Lance is scribbling something on a piece of paper and he shoves it over to me. He said, who's going over? And I scribbled on a piece of paper, pushed it back. I don't know. Didn't Jimmy tell you? He writes, no. So <laughs> we, we had no idea what we should be calling toward the finish. We didn't even know what the hell the finish was, right? He had neglected to tell us. And in the course of us getting ready, neither one of us had asked. So what we had to do after the whole thing was over, after the building was empty, uh, we got in front of a monitor. They set up a monitor. And we like the last couple minutes of that thing, we dubbed the voice over so we could actually, you know, put our concentrate on the finish because Jimmy had forgot to tell us what the damn finish of that. And when it's that many people, it's not like <laughs> we're going to throw this up in here and hope we get it right. You know, right. That was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Wow. That's a good story. That's a, that's a good one. 
how how are you, how are you on time? Because I had I did have a couple of listener questions they had sent me to. I'm good. Sent me th- I'm good. Okay. Whatever you need. Sure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, time is a valuable thing, and uh, you've given me a lot. So thank you. Well, at um, my age, Mike, time the clock is ticking. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much. Uh, actually, one question from uh, my co-host who couldn't make it first, and then I'll get into the listener ones. Uh, uh, we were talking about he and I were talking about Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You know, it closed down in '95. Um, given, you know, the wrestling boom period that uh, I call it that, that took place with the Monday Night Wars in 96, do you think if Jimmy could have held on for another year that Smoky Mountain may have survived and been profitable and enough to continue not only beyond 96, but well into the 2000s and possibly now just given, you know, the type of ship he ran? You know, I would have hoped so. Probably at some point. I, I doubt that we'd be in business today, you know, due to the climate of, of the business and how it's how it's changed. But I, I think one of the things there, and of course, you realize hindsight is always twenty twenty. But I remember that you know initially when we were doing, you know, we would go to a different town uh, to do our block of four TV shows, and at one point they were bringing a big uh, production van out of Atlanta, right? And so the cost, I, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't privy to the books, but I know what's, you know, uh, the amount of money is something like that's going to take. Plus, uh, the time that each, as we change a gym in Harlan or a gym in this North city of North Carolina or, or over here or over there, uh, your, your crew, your production crews had to come in and, and find the best way to set up lighting. They had the best way to set this up and that up. That wasn't always the best angles. You know, lighting might be not as up to par as you'd want it, but it's all you could. Uh, I often wondered, had had Jimmy have found an old warehouse or something on the outskirts of Knoxville, would would it have been cheaper to have put a long-term lease on like an old warehouse and set up the place for that where all we had to go in and throw a switch, the lights came, you know, and everything was going to be there. You could have even run a couple small, you know, uh, small shows in there uh, other than the TV. Cause I know that, you know, back in the territory days, that was, you know, a case. And, and so I remember in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, they used to do their TV. They, they had old, an old grocery store, the promoters out there, which was their offices, but it was also where they did the TV, but they also ran a, just a regular show in there besides the TV. So my, my curiosity is, would that have saved more money, which would have stretched out the run of Smoky Mountain? Am I making sense? I hope. Yeah, it, it is. It's making a lot of sense. Cause it, you would have had a one place where you weren't, you weren't paying, you know, this huge production truck, you know, every once a month to go to a town and set up and all the cost that incurred with that uh, versus, you know, having one location where you can, like you said, flip the switch. It's a lot uh, more controlled and it's probably nowhere near as costly, even though we're, you know, we don't know what the books look like, but it definitely makes sense. And if that would have helped and been able to, you know, help, help get past, you know, Thanksgiving of, of 95 when things, uh you know, when things shut down, I, I sure. always just wonder what it would have been like if he could have survived, because I, I mean, literally, uh, you know, if you're shutting down in Thanksgiving in 95, and if you think about it with the way the Monday Night Wars took place, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, by spring, I'll just say spring to summer of 96, you know, not even six months later, it, the the wrestling world 
at least for fans that I knew, and you know, again, I'm a fan. It just was on fire with the, those two companies going at it face to face, and you had the NWO. So it just makes me wonder if you know wrestling was in that down period when he started Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and if you could survive that and get into '96. It just makes me. I always want to believe, at least in my mind, that they could have uh, weathered that storm and. And like you said, they may not be in business now, but at least would have went into the 2000s and beyond, which would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Well, you know, how much longer did did Jarrett's Memphis promotion run? Uh, not not that much longer. I mean, a few more years, but you're right. But part I of it, I think, too, was they had studio wrestling, right? So they didn't yeah. have to incur those production costs unless they were taking, a, you know, a couple cameras out someplace to shoot an angle, you know, or, or, or progress a storyline in, in one of their towns. So, yeah, that's just something, you know, again, like I say, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and yeah. uh, But I, I've often wondered about that, you know, if that would have uh, given the company more longevity. Yeah, it would have, it would have been something to see if, if he could have held on. Uh, I, I did have another question uh, from uh, one of the listeners, Armando. Have you seen this recently released video of the Knoxville Five exposing the business? Have you seen this video or heard about it at all? Oh, you know, I probably have heard about it, but uh, exactly who are we talking about? Well, it's it's a video of uh, this was during the the Knoxville quote unquote wrestling world war. Okay, I was there in the middle of that. Yes, so I but I don't know that I ever saw this video. It Uh, just came out on social media about a week and a half ago, as of us recording this, and it is Ron Garvin, Bob Roop, Ron Wright. Bob Orton Jr. and Boris Malenko, and they are talking about uh, Plan B as it relates to the to the Knoxville Wrestling War. And um, from what I've been told, this this video was shot overnight at one of the studios, and it's basically these guys exposing what we would term exposing the wrestling business on video uh, as it pertains to the to the war. So. Um, I, well, I you can, know what? I, That's I. I don't think I ever saw it. I don't know that they that ran. They were on Channel Twenty Six, um, and you know, like I say, I was there in the midst of that. Didn't you know uh, the whole thing? I, I won't. We could we could kill another hour about that. But I will tell you, uh, you know, that I, I I've been at conventions with Bob and with Bobby uh, with Roop and Orton Junior and um, Gar, Garvin will tell you it was it was a dumb move, and it was. Mm. All, you know, I was involved in the Atlanta war, uh, you know, through Gunk, uh, and Gunkel's promotion versus the NWA. That's when Gordon and I did the television together and I was part of the office there. Uh, and, uh, but Knox, all, all the, the stupidity in Knoxville did was kill the business in Knoxville period because the town wasn't big enough to, to take that. Right. And when they pulled out, uh, we knew they were going before they went because somebody had, had uh, cued uh, Ron's dad in. But, you know, he had to sit on it because we had all these guys figured into angles. But we knew they were pulling out, uh, you know, quite a few weeks before they did. But then uh, if they had spent more time actually maybe promoting their product opposed to challenging people who they knew weren't going to accept the challenges, and when I say that, you know, it's over and done with. And, you know, yeah. like, like I say, I, I, I socialize with, with Roop and Garvin at, at reunions and stuff. And what's done's done, you know. I, you know, 
But yeah, it, it was a, it was a bad time, and it was a stupid mistake. And one of the things is they say, and, and I'll, I, I will wrap it up with this. Uh, well, Ron Fuller was taking money off the top in the houses, and my answer to, now I had not, I did not handle money. I was I was part of the Knoxville office from the get go. I was the, the initial. There was Ron. Uh, Mac McMurray and myself were basically the three people that, you know, uh, were consistent of the office. Well, Ron's wife as well. But, uh, my answer to that, having worked in all, and in so many territories, if Ron Fuller as a promoter wasn't taking something off the top, he was the only damn promoter in the business that wasn't right. <laughs> so, I mean, it was yeah. just a dumb reason to, to, you know, to split, right. Because, you know, uh, the old, you know, when I grew up in the business, uh, the old, I started in 19, the old saying was the, whoever's got the first count on the tickets is the guy's going to make the most money. Right. <laughs> like I say, yeah. I didn't have, I never handled the money there. So I couldn't tell you if he took 1%, 6% or 9,000%. I don't know. But mm-hmm. if he wasn't taking a little bit off the top, he would be the only promoter I figured I ever worked with or for that wasn't. So of all the silly reasons to start a war, that was the dumbest. And, and like I say, all it did. Well, you know, I was, I was there through, uh, he sold to Barnett and I stayed with Barnett for, and then I went down to mobile where I got a chance to work with my, my buddy, Charlie Platt on the Dothan television for Southeastern. But then when, uh, Crockett and Mulligan and Flair bought the territory, Rick called me and said, Hey, uh, channel 10 says they'll keep us on TV. Uh, but part of the deal is they want you back because I, I was like the mediary between, uh, Southeastern and, and channel 10. And I had a good work relationship with the programming director and the sales manager and so forth and so on. So uh, that's one of the reasons I packed my bags and went back to Knoxville. But, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was actually the last studio wrestling was when Fuller, I mean, Fuller, when, uh, Flair and Mulligan and Crockett had it, that last serious studio wrestling in that city and all the the war did was kill the damn territory quite frankly yep it's uh oh the wrestling business sometimes right <laughs> yep yep uh here's another one for you keith uh on our facebook page he wanted to know uh you worked a little with dutch mantel um on commentary not much but given how great dutch was uh, do you wish, given circumstances, um, being better in Smoky Mountain, that you could have worked with Dutch a lot more? Now, I know you worked with Dutch uh, wrestling as well, but uh, I'm guessing the only there was only a few occasions where you got to work with Dutch on commentary, right? Well, you know what? Um, Steve Dunn of Well Done, right? Yes, yep. And uh, his partners, they they had a promotion. This would have been, God, let me stop and think here, probably 98 or 99 in Nashville, they started a promotion, and the uh, the the old fairgrounds uh, there at Nashville Fairgrounds that they're tearing down, where uh, NWA just ran their 70th anniversary or whatever the hell it was a while back. Uh, we were doing, I was doing TV there for them, and Dutch was my color man there. So that was the the, the other opportunity I had. Oh, I enjoyed working with Dutch. I mean, we had a good relationship anyway. You know, as as wrestlers in ring. Um, you know, but, uh, the broadcast, he was easy to work with and easy to bounce stuff off of. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, I enjoyed working with him and he's got a damn good fertile mind for the business as well. And, uh, which is, you know, was part of, you know, he, he was a booker for both the Puerto Rican promotions, 
uh, and and actually, it seemed like when he would was one, they were they were on top of the game. When he went to the other one, they you know they pulled up. So yeah, but he he was fun to work with, easy to work with, and and you know it was easy for us to feed off of one another. So uh, yeah, I, I I would love to work with him again at some point. You know, I, at this point in my life, I don't know, um, you know how. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Lance, Lance Russell, when we, uh, let me throw this in real quick. When Gordon Soley retired, I, I, there's a uh, little, uh, radio talk show station across the river here in Northern Kentucky that we were doing a, a radio show. This is one uh, in the early stages of when I had HWA here. And when Gordon retired, we put together a tribute show. And we had Luthez on, and we had Corny on, we had Debbie uh, Combs on, we had uh, Don Curtis, and we had Lance on as well. And I was listening to, I, you know, I got believe, cassettes. For those who don't know, that's a little, that's a little tape that you put in a machine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, and I was listening to it uh, a while back, and that was in when did Lance? When did Gordon retire? Was that ninety what? 96, 97, 90, I don't know. Anyway, um, when Lance, Lance was on with Gordon and I, uh, and we were talking about uh, having fun telling the story, and Lance said then, you know, the problem now, the guys don't tell a story. And I thought, my God, if, you know, if he didn't think they were telling a story then, they damn sure ain't telling one now. You know, <laughs> you're right. So, the, yeah. you know, so it's, it's so, you know, uh, and to me, that was always the, the fun thing is to embellish what they were doing by adding depth to what they were doing. And, and especially, like I said, Jr. called me an analyst, you know, in, in fact, say, well, you know, this guy's, you know, watch him build his offense. Now it's a spot, 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 you know, somebody grabs a hold and works it. It's well, I, do you watch NXT at all? I do. I don't watch it every single week, but uh, I, I catch all of the specials. Please go watch Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak. Oh, okay, I'll definitely do it, so. It I will, is I will an say amazing this. wrestling match. Of course, both these guys, I've had the opportunity to work with both of them uh, in training sessions, and, and uh, Drew worked a promotion I, I booked for a year in L.A. a few years back, too. But both, they just have a hell of a wrestling match. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it would be hard for the for, for Gord, you know, any of us to uh, to. I I I'm uh, amazed how well Jr. has made the transition. But I think in part that reason is that he never dropped away from the business. You know, he he made the transition as the, as the transition was made, as as it stopped being working holes and, and the storyline being the most important thing to being more like a video game, and uh, so. Uh, you know, as as great as it was to work with all these guys that I mentioned earlier, uh, I don't know that we could all sit down unless unless the guys in the ring had the kind of match that, that uh, Gulak and, and Matt Riddle were having. Or, or I find, to me, honestly, and I know this got nothing to do with Smokey or anything else, but right now NXT uh, to me is the closest thing to what I used to do as anything in, there is in the business. Like I said, I don't. I don't terms get to watch the. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, in terms, terms of stories and everything, I think so. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, it, it, it would you know as much as I'd enjoy doing something with uh, uh, 
any of these guys, but Dutch, yeah, Dutch has such a, you know, he's sort of a, a Jimmy Cornette with a beard in terms of <laughs> quick wit, right? I mean, uh, to, to, you know, and that's like working with Jimmy, uh, I'd say, you know, your, your guys are wrestling this guy and just hold the damn microphone, right? You didn't have to do any talking at all. Just let Jimmy do it. Um, but yeah, Dutch, Dutch was a pleasure to work with. He's a pro. He's a pro. He's, he's tremendous. He's great on commentary. Uh, he's just, uh, like you said, his mind is, is so good for it. And Jimmy has told me when we had him on, you know, he talks about how he bounced a lot of ideas off of Dutch in Smoky Mountain in that early going. While, well, the whole time Dutch was there because Dutch was so good and it was somebody that he could have that could be a sounding board and say, you know, Dutch, uh, think about this. What about this? And, you know, like you said, Dutch's mind is just so good. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, he, he's, he's just a, and he was, a, he was a, he, to me, I say this all the time and I go, he's one of the best commentators. He's like underrated as a commentator. Cause I don't think anybody ever talks about him as a commentator, but he, he's so good with Bob Cottle and Smoky Mountain. You, you have to mention him when you're talking about, you know, guys that, that do commentary. But the thing was not a lot of people were exposed to Smoky Mountain wrestling. So they don't even think about it. But I, in my mind, I go, man, him and Bob as a team were just Tremendous. So I think they that's were. where that question came from. You know, wondering, wondering about you and, and Dutch, and if y'all had a chance to work together, it would have been great because Dutch would have been just like he was with with Bob, where he always made these jokes and he would insult Bob, and Bob would be so appalled. They just really had a nice little interplay between themselves, and I could see you guys being the exact same way, which is yeah. Which would well, be when we worked together in Nashville, the sad thing was, I, I guess the uh, their promotion was uh, a little underfinanced or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, uh, we, I forget how many shows we did there. But it was, and they had some decent talent in and stuff too. And and some guys who became big stars were just, James Storm, for example, was just getting his feet wet, you know, in the business. And, uh, you know, but they had, uh, you know, they had some good guys there. But yeah, that was the, that was the only other time I had the opportunity to work with Dutch. But yeah, it, it was always a pleasure. I could see that. Hi, Lucas uh, had a question from our Facebook page. He says, do you think a lot of your students from HWA would have fit in in Smoky Mountain Wrestling? And he, these are the guys he named, just for as, as an example, John Moxley, B.J. Whitmer, Matt Stryker, Nigel McGinnis. Um, you know, he, I guess he's asking, what do you think about those guys fitting in with what was done in Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Yes, they would. And the reason they would, because the first thing I teach is basics. And that's one thing, Mike. Uh, I've been in this. I, July the fourth of this year will be my the 59th anniversary of my first match. I started in this business when I was 19 years old. And the one thing that's never going to change in this business is the foundation and the fundamentals. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it monopoly. You can call it any damn thing you want. And you can change the way. But the foundation is still the foundation. And if you actually want to tell a story, and then you've got to be able, you know, uh, to have that foundation. And that's one of the things that I taught all these guys. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, you came out of my school, you know how to call a match on the fly. I, you, uh, what you do now, you're paid. Again, I said earlier, it's a business, so you do what you're paid to do. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's one of the things, HWA, it was... Uh, here's the finish. You build the match. 
And uh, because, you know, guys, you know, human beings make mistakes. And let's say you and I are having a match and uh, we've got this elaborate finish where you're going to the top rope and do some craziness to, to beat me. And we're going say we're going 20 minutes and say seven, eight, nine, ten 10 minutes in uh, you pull a hamstring, not bad enough that we got to stop the match, but bad enough. You can't make that move to the top rope to get this elaborate finish in. Well, if all we know is what we talked about in the back, we're in trouble, man, because yeah. if, if we can't readjust it and call it on the fly, what are we going to do? Ask for timeout so we can go back and talk about it again. <laughs> right. You see my uh, point. That's a good point. I do. I don't, I yeah. don't know how today's athletes, uh, do the, the whole choreograph, you know, spot for spot. It's like you said, uh, call it on being able to call it in a ring, call it on fly is something that, uh, it's, I, I mean, now it's becoming, it's not a complete loss art, but it's definitely becoming one, but you know, at least you taught that. And then well, the guy you know, talking about here, yeah, that's the actual art of being a worker. And I'm using my fingers in quotations. Now there are a lot of performers and entertainers in our business today, but there's very few workers. Jericho oh, yeah. is a worker, you know, oh, yeah. but I can say the guys you mentioned, BJ, uh, Nigel Stryker, they're workers. They, they were workers. Um, uh, and, uh, to me, that's the foundation. And, uh, again, you know, if they, somebody's paying you, uh, high six figures or seven figures to delay everything. I don't know how, if, if, if I were a young guy today with the same background that I have, and you said, uh, hey, we're laying out a 15-minute match or I'm going to shoot you. I'd say, Mike, shoot me, because I don't <laughs> know how the hell to do that. Well, part of that is, too, you have to adjust for a crowd. You know, the crowd in Knoxville tonight, you and I may have this match that we've, you know, paint by numbers, laid out move by move, and the people are excited with it. We take that same match uh, to another town tomorrow night, and they may sit on their hands. What the hell are we going to do? Right, they're dead. Yeah, You're yeah. just going to go through all that, and they're dead. They're sitting on their hands. Yeah, sure. So we need yeah. to be able to, sh and that's like I say, that's really the art of the business is being able to adjust to what the audience is or is not buying, and that's uh, that start. You're right. It's it's not a lost start, but it's uh, sadly enough going in that direction. Yeah, it's like one of those things that it's through through the test of time. It's or through time, because there's so, uh, you know, little people still doing it, not literal, uh, literally, but there, the amount of people still doing it, it's just becoming something that's lost. I, I thought it was interesting, you know, thinking about B.J. Whitmer. Well, in your school, um, how much do you talk about, like, just doing commentary and things, too? Because I, I'm going to, you know, again, uh, congratulate you on something. I used to, watching ROH, I used to believe that, like, Nigel and, and, and BJ, like even within the last year before he um, left ROH, I, I used to think BJ Whitmer was tremendous on commentary. He wouldn't do it all the time, but always thought he was real good, uh, real good on commentary. He definitely was. You know, you mentioned uh, Di Nigel and BJ are two of, uh, uh, you know, uh, two of the, I, I, I'm proud of a lot of my, I call them my kids, you know, and obviously right. they're way past the age of being kids, but they're mine. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you how proud I am of both those guys. You know, BJ now is signed on as senior producer for AEW. And part is because those guys had the opportunity to work with him in Ring of Honor as a, as a producer. And, uh, but yeah, he's, he was, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to, uh, work with him as a trainer in recent years. I mentioned Los Angeles, uh, and 
I booked a, a year-long tournament out there where I used a lot of these guys, Gargano, uh, Gulak, uh, Adam Cole, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Nigel also was, uh, you know, was my booker on this, on this thing as well. And I'm so proud of those guys uh, and to have been a, a small part of their growth and uh, development in this business. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're tremendous guys. But yeah, there are, there are some, you know, Adam Pierce, who works behind the scenes for WWE now, he worked that tournament with me out there. But there was a guy who would transcend. Uh, you know, he was the NWA champion for a while. Uh, he would have fit in in 1968 or 1978 as well as in 2008 or 2018. Uh, he could make the, he, he could shift. The guys who, if you've only got the one dimension, if all you can do is call it, uh, you know, move for move, uh, you're in trouble. You know, you, you're limited in what you can do. And, yeah. uh, that's, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's like if you're, you know, you're a quarterback, you've got two plays and that's all you got. You're not going to win a hell of a lot of games. You know, you've got to be able to adjust. That's a, that's a, that's a good analogy. If you're a quarterback and all you got is, you know, two, three plays in your playbook, you'll be in trouble if you keep trying to run the same ones over and over. So yeah, definitely. One more question, uh, Les, and then I'll uh, then we'll wrap things up. Uh, this was from uh, one of our uh, listeners as well on Facebook. Mark, he said, um, uh, "I think uh, hopefully I'm I'm phrasing this right." He says, "Have you ever considered uh, creating a YouTube channel with something like your personality profile that you used to do back in the day?" And he says, "With the benefit of 2019 hindsight, um, I guess I guess he's meaning like taking you know all your knowledge over the years and and having a YouTube channel and." And sharing, uh, you know, those those hinds, you know, your your knowledge there is what I'm. Is thinking. there any money to be, be made there, Mike? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, YouTube. Oh, used yeah, excuse to, me. I mean, there is potential, but it's um, it's you're right. It's it's becoming a it's one. It's a cluttered uh, market. The whole YouTube channel. We we have a small one. Uh, I won't tell you that a lot of money is made off of it, but we have a small one. It it's growing, and we'll see what happens. But you, yeah, you realize that that I I was one of the first wrestlers to have a weekly podcast. Uh, I don't Do- know if I realized that. Doc, huh? I don't yeah, know Doc, if I realized that. Yeah, Doc Young, who's passed away now, passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, he initially, I was invited. I was this would have been back. Gosh, I don't know, two thousand and five, maybe or so. Okay. Uh, he was producer for a, a guy's podcast that had me on as a guest, and uh, Doc, uh, this guy got bigger than he should have, or his head got bigger than it should, have, or whatever. <laughs> and Doc had contacted me and said, "Would you uh, try something with me?" And I said, "What?" And he said. Uh, would you co-host a podcast with me? And we got, uh, listen, I, I, I don't follow all this stuff as closely as I used to, but we got a couple of awards from some, some website that, you know, as best, you know, wrestling podcast of the year or something back in 2006 and seven, but I was doing these things. And then, um, he got, he got an illness in it, which he ended up dying from, but he was producing behind the scenes for the observer, uh, figure four weekly, uh, website where I do a weekly show now, but initially when I came on there is when he wanted to get back in it. Uh, he's, you know, he called me and so I started doing it with him until his health wouldn't allow it anymore. And, uh, so I currently do it with Vic Sosa, but, uh, so yeah, I, I was doing podcasts and, uh, I haven't gotten rich yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, either, in fact, you know, I. people say, <laughs> 
people say, you've done everything in the wrestling business. And I said, everything but get rich. And at this point, I think I'm giving up on that. So it's. <laughs> I hear you. No, I hear you very much. Yeah, uh, that makes two of us. I haven't gotten real. Well, I hold down a regular nine to five and have done so for a long time. Uh, this is more of a hobby, but it's a lot of fun. I get to talk to guys like you. Uh, Jim Cornette, Tracy Smothers, and talk about things that they love. And uh, how know, often do you talk to my job. friend Jimmy? Uh, not 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 often, but uh, I talk to his co-hosts weekly. Uh, Brian and I Brian, talk. Yeah, Brian and I you talk. Tell, all you the tell time. Brian I, I'm watching these uh, Crockett Cup videos, and ninety uh, percent of the magazine pages they're throwing up there I've either designed or laid out. Or from my from what I edited for Cro- magazines for Crockett, so tell him I'm either I'm going to send him a damn bill. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm actually going to be talking to him in the morning. We got to record another episode of our Mid South show. So uh, I did, I, I did yeah, Brian's I Brian show a, a while back, a couple of years ago, I guess it was. I remember. I remember when he had you on. Yeah, uh, the six oh five. Yeah, I remember when he had you on. But I I talk to him more often than I talk to uh, Jim Cornette. When I talk to Cornette, it's a lot of times uh, through email. I'll, I'll email him from time to time or on Twitter. Uh, and he's been on. Like I said, he's been on a few times. But I definitely talk to Brian a lot more than I than I do Jimmy. So uh, we have a lot of fun. We do that mid south, just like I do the Smoky Mountain show with my guys. Brian and I do the Mid South show, uh, which is he and I, and it's a lot of fun. I've, I've, I've got to, I've got to be honest with you here. And this will expose me as a as an idiot old man, but uh, my cell phone. Uh, got run over by a car, believe it or not. I, it wasn't on my person when it got run over by the car, thank God. But, You're right. Uh, but Jimmy's phone number is in there, and I haven't had the opportunity uh, to get his phone number from anybody. So, uh, you know, but I call and tell him myself, listen, Corny, you know, I'm going to send you a friggin' bill for you <laughs> using my magazines to, to plug the NWA stuff. I want a payday. For Christ's sake, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I mention it to Brian tomorrow. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, but it, it was really great talking to you. I really appreciate you taking some time with me, sitting down and talking some Smoky Mountain wrestling, along with many other things. It's uh it's definitely My been pleasure. a blast, and and thank you so much. And uh, who knows, we should maybe do this again sometime. And I, I appreciate, let me tell you this too, I appreciate the uh, shares on Facebook and the retweet on Twitter, uh, you know, telling people, hey, you know, this was a fun time because that's one thing about Smoky Mountain Wrestling more than anything. It just seems like a fun time. I wasn't there to see it live. I wasn't there when it was happening live, nor was I able to watch it while it was happening. But I can tell you this much, 20 plus years later, watching it, it's just, it's a blast. And, uh, you know, Bob Cottle used to always say at the beginning of every episode, uh, wrestling the way it used to be and the way you like it. And um, I can say that for the most part. That's that's what Smoky Mountain was during its run. I can, too. <laughs> I agree. And, and Mike, it's, it's been fun. Uh, you know, I, I hope it's been entertaining and informing for anybody who's listening to it. And if I bored you to death, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sir. You haven't bored me. But do you want to tell uh, if anyone wants to stay in touch with you, whether it be Twitter or, or various other pl- uh, places on social <laughs> yeah, media? Yeah, listen, you, I, you know, I, I'm still do, I do weekend training camps and or day, one day seminars for that matter and you can reach me less at epwt.com or less thatcher at zoomtown.com and uh I'd be more than happy to send you the information on those training camps i will say this i can pretty much guarantee that uh, if you you spend a weekend with me uh i'll give you to if you're a young wrestler i'll give you tools to up your game and improve your your in-ring performance 
There you go. So make sure you contact uh, Les if you're interested. And again, I want to thank you. And uh, I'll ask you to hang tight as soon as I stop this recording. Uh, that way I can chat with you offline for a second. But thanks again, sir. And uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure and honor. I really have enjoyed talking to you about Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Mike. was Les Thatcher part two. If you enjoyed hearing parts one and part two with Les Thatcher, make sure you tweet him and let him know that you enjoyed the conversation and that you'll want him to come back some other time. He actually, he told me, he said, I would be glad to do the show anytime with you. So shout out Armando mm. Martinez, longtime BTT hall of fame out there. But it was a lot of fun talking to Les, man. Les is a, he is a true, I know Harper likes to make fun and go, that's, that's real classy, but no, he is a class act, a very classy individual. And it was a lot of fun talking to him. So with that said, we got to get into the show close and we are diving back into a PWI top 10. A couple weeks ago, we did January, 1989, which is the rankings from or through September 8th of 1988. We're going to continue that. We did the top 10 overall this week. We're going to do the WWF top 10 so the top 10 wrestlers in the wwf at that point from uh, what year january this is this is pro wrestling illustrated january 1989 okay oh fuck you should be good you should be good at this this is your promotion yeah thinking fucking 89 yeah that's uh yeah all right so here we go uh let's alternate back and forth like we usually do doc do you want to take the first guess Rick Rude. Rick Rude is number nine. Hopper, your turn. The Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior is ranked number one. Now, there, there's a champion, but he was not the champion, so Ultimate Warrior is number one. All right, Doc, you go. The Hulkster, brother. Hulk was number three. Hopper, you go. Macho. The macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, world champion at that time. Uh, macho was the world champion, so he's not ranked. He's a champion. Uh, well, he is ranked, but he is the champion. Uh, Doc, you go. Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase is number two, or in the famous way of Bill Watts saying it, DiBiase. You are correct. Harper, your turn. Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake was number seven. PWI listed him at 273 pounds from San Francisco, California. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Man, y'all are rolling. Uh, Doc, your guess. Andre. Andre is number four. You are correct. Andre is number four. Um oh for the record, Warrior was number one. He was the he was the Intercontinental Champion at that point. So just to let everybody know. Okay. DiBiase was a uh number two contender to the WWF title at that point too. All right, your turn, Hopper. Uh let's see. Uh eighty nine. I'm trying to think it was perfect. Was he there at that time? Oh, he's not ranked. Okay. He is not ranked in their top 10. Uh, Doc, you want to go? Steamboat. Nope. 
Yeah, I don't think he was a. Yeah, I don't think he was around. Why did he leave? I was thinking about yeah. that the other day. But this is January '89 PWI, which means it could be like summer of '88. Yeah, well, it's September of '88 is what's through. So you do have a good point there. But he's not. He's not in the NWA rankings, nor is he in a WWF okay. one at this time. All right, I guess um, look, let's do some more guessing. Uh. uh uh, Valentine, Great to Hammer Valentine. <laughs> Valentine. <laughs> Valentine. Uh, Valentine is not there. Fuck. He's not right. Give me, give me Jake the Snake. Oh yeah, I forgot about Jake. Jake Roberts is number eight. You are correct. Let's see. So there are you. There are only three that y'all haven't gotten. Two of them you're gonna get. One of them you're never gonna get. Uh, it, go ahead, Hopper. Okay. Tito? No, Tito's not. Fuck. Roddy Piper. Nope. No Roddy. Yeah, I think he was a movie star at that yeah, point, huh? I think so. I think you're correct. Yeah. Uh, How would I know? Let's see, uh Honky Talk Man? Honky Talk Man is number five. Number five. Doc. There's only two left. Rick Martell. Nope. Uh, Hacksaw. There you go, Hopper. Hacksaw is number six. So let me let me recap real quick for everyone before y'all keep guessing. The world champion is Randy Savage, WWF. Ultimate Warrior is one. Ted DiBiase is two. Hulk Hogan's three. Andre the Giant's four. Honky Tonk Man is five. Hacksaw Duggan is six. Brutus Beefcake is seven. Jake Roberts is eight. Rick Rude is nine. The only one y'all are missing is number ten, and I, for the life of me, Hercule, can't Hercules out. Hernandez. No. Dino Bravo. No. Uh, the Berserker. Nah, no, that's too early. Uh, one Man Gang. Nope. Uh, Lord the Barbarian. No. Kamala. No. Uh, King Kong Bundy. No. Sir. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, Earthquake, Avalanche, Shark, Typhoon. No, no, let's see. Uh, oh, fuck. Uh, no, it's not fuck. Is it uh, Big John Stud? No. Fuck. JYD. No. no. JYD's back in. Um, I think he, he might be. Yeah. Yeah. He's away by then. He was gone. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the Rougeos. No. Davy Boy Smith. No, sir. Dynamite. Nope. Jim Nyhart? Uh, no, sir. Luca. Nope. Morocco. No. Uh, Bob Backlund. No. It's, it's not. Uh, is it Coco? No. F.D. Uh, Jones. No, sir. Iron Mike, Iron Mike Sharp. Uh, let's nope. see. Uh, it's not. Uh, Brooklyn Brawler. Nope. It's not Billy Graham, huh? For some strange reason. Mm-mm. Okay. Axe, smash, crush. Crush wasn't there. Let's see. Uh, five. IRS. IRS. No. Uh, don't say it. Is it uh, Snooker? I said Snooker. Oh, nope. yeah. oh. Um. Damn. 
And my wife thought, LaFonda thought it was a stu- one of their little stuffed animal toys and almost stepped <laughs> on it. And I was in the other room and heard this screaming. Broads. And Jeez. was like, that can't be. Whatever this is, is not good. good job. <laughs> nice. That's and nice. so I just got the shot back out, took the lid off, and scooped it up in a bucket and took it outside, nice. and it took off. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, all right. But it, I, did, I, I never crossed my mind to punch it. I guess that should have been my first thing to think about was maybe I could just punch this fucker. Opera was about to pet one. Good yeah. Lord. I thought the fucking cat eating the fucking nine lives. And when I, I got believe- down there, I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a fucking possum. And it turned around. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah. Yum, 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 What did it turn around and do? It's just like, hey, what's up, bro? It didn't even fucking run off or nothing. It was just, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> if, you get those things work, if you get those things worked up, they'll hiss at you. Yeah, fuck that, man. <laughs> okay. I don't want Fuck that. You got to go get fucking rabies shots and shit. For real. All right. Well, I guess it's... <laughs> we need it like a... We, we need a wild, a wild kingdom with Harper's show. That's... You know, I might draw some money. Harvard's, man. Like, Harvard's like a suburban version of uh, Steve Irwin and shit battling. Well, you know, they're the only dwelling. North American uh, marsupials. It's impossible. <laughs> See, that's, yeah. that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff people need to know on this show. <laughs> You're only North American marsupials. <laughs> <laughs> See that? You just learned something. <laughs> Doc, you got to listen to the Jericho episode that dropped today. They got some some Bigfoot guy on there. It's pretty interesting, actually. It's not a, it's not um, it's not outlandish. It's not crazy. He's a he's actually he, he comes across as a very smart person, and in he wrote this book about the the Patterson Gilman film for Bigfoot. It's a, it's actually it's, it's a real good episode. But this guy he this guy's not out there. He's not crazy like that that one guy who Jericho had on who was a Bigfoot dude. Jesus Christ, a while back if you remember that one. But um, anyway, we're gonna get ready to get out of here. First off, I want to mention the wrestling podcast about nothing with ROH's Brian Malonis, Mike Crockett. They do their show every single Monday, and then also. Uh, after you check out them on their feed, make sure you listen to Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast run by Joe Murata and Michael Quinn, as they give their take on the northern side of pro wrestling's history. Slightly classier and definitely more professional than us. Uh, so thank you, Joe and Quinn, for all your plugs. But seriously, check out those two shows. They're doing a lot of classic stuff these days, and we think you would enjoy them. Uh, Harper, by the time this airs, Wildcat would have taken place, so we won't really plug that. Uh, we plugged it last week. But do us a favor, go join the Facebook group. Just search Booking the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, and join it. And all the shenanigans going on there. Follow us well, on Twitter. Well, they got two at... of them, don't you, huh? Two of them what? Booking the Territory, Facebooks? Well, there's the there's the actual page, and then there's yeah. the group, which the group is full of filth and utter yeah. filthiness. I yeah. Say it. That's the one I like. I know you do, because that's the one where people can post. 
But it's a great page. So come join us. Lots of utter shenanigans and disgust that, you know, come along with uh, being a fan of this show, in my personal opinion. Uh, but but check it out and like us. And then follow us on Twitter at BTT underscore podcast, at Mike504Saints, at CJHHUDAD. And then buy some T-shirts. We would appreciate it. Well, there you go. Harper, you got anything before we get out of here? No, sir. Doc, you got anything? Uh, I'll be back from special assignment in, uh, uh, for BGT Insider Business next week, so I'll, uh, I'll be back in the studio. Great. It sounds like a plan. You won't be on the moon. We can actually understand and hear what you're saying. Uh, that's going to be uh, splendid to, to experience again. So, Hopper, we don't have anything else, man. Hit the tagline. Take us home. Fuck it, bitch. Thank you to all the patrons out there. We appreciate you being a patron each and every month for booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast and making this show possible uh, twice a week with the Smoky Mountain Review Show and the NWA Show. And a special shout-out to all of the Hall of Fame patrons, Marlon Mueller, Josh Warren, Everett Starr, Mike Childry, K underscore Row 86, Disrespectfully Classy Marky Blassie, Jeffrey, Craig Norman, Johnny on Patreon, the great Don G... The great John Dean, excuse me, at YRC21. Josh Dunn, at Ryan and Auburn. Good old Justin, Robert Smith, Joseph Ice, Tim Arecci, the BTT, uh, what am I looking for, Tim? The BTT Research Department, there you go. Adam Price, Brian Evans, Mark Wilson, Armando Martinez, David Jordan, Jesse Jacobs, Josh Fields, Chris Myers, Gerald Green, Mitchell Johnson, Mike Prue, Will Parker, Jeremy Bryant, Classy Alex, Slider91 US, David DeVries, Frog Zeppelin, SV Pageum, Bill Salsa, Big Rich, at, by, at Spy Boy Sports Cap, Ari Miller 39, Dustin Roberts, Jay Shiny 21, Ruben Espinoza, and Merciless Jones, Jesse Lucas, Chris Browning, Justin underscore Andretti, Coleman 82, Marty Howell, and T Hog 94. Thank you for being Hall of Fame patrons. There's a lot of you out there now, and I definitely appreciate uh, you being Hall of Fame patrons. So thank you very much. And also, before I get out of here, you heard Doc uh, earlier in the show. 
mention the Bottom Line cast. So check out my buddy Mike Prue as they go through the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Him and his buddy JV break down the career of Stone Cold month by month on a weekly basis. I believe now they are up to 1998. Could be wrong, but go back and check out their 1996-97 episodes. Or just dive in on the most current episode and enjoy. Uh, New episodes, they come out every single Wednesday on all their platforms. So there you go. Check it out. Mike Prue's show, The Bottom Line Cast. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Bottom Line Cast. That's all I have. Thanks again to all the patrons out there, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show.